You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, welcome to the sweet smells and sounds of summer in Sportsland. Spoiler alert, if you hate baseball, eh, maybe this is not the episode for you. That said, Mr. X comes in. We have a good discussion on just how to watch and listen to the sport and not get bored to tears. All that plus a $40 million lesson in procrastination. Your digital dose of extra me is buckled up, so let's go, and I think I botched it. Oh, here we go! Monday, June 24th, 2019. Ah, fuck it. Why redo the open? It's summer, everybody. No need to do that. You probably got a good laugh out of it. Welcome aboard. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right into it. So I'm back home after a week in lovely Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, doing home shows for the new 97.3 The Game. Get it on the iHeart app and enjoy. Uh, We're working on getting it delivered to iTunes. Thank you for all the feedback on that. Just hang tight for a little bit. In that regard, I'm back and God damn, I'm still tired, still tired. I don't know what's going on. I think it could be a lot of different things. You know, I, I do, I do have uh, rheumatoid arthritis and I take medication for it and it's done wonders in at least helping stop, uh, my joint pain and dysfunction from getting worse. But I know I need to really dig in lifestyle wise and diet wise to try to beat this thing back any further because, you know, it's a, it's a progressive disease. It doesn't get any better, certainly not on its own. You can, in some cases, although I think it's rare, achieve what they consider to be remission from this. But this is just another, you know, for, we all have diseases, at least all of us that are over a certain age. And we all have burdens to bear, and this is mine. But, you know, the one of the you know features of, uh, RA is that you're going to have these spikes and you're going to have these times in which you you are more fatigued and your joints feel a little bit more achy and that's just the way it is. Maybe it's a symptom of that or, or as my wife believes, I just ran myself into the ground last week uh, up there in Milwaukee. Also, some would say, hey, dummy, you're running yourself into the ground with two shows. And I would say, yeah, to a certain extent, you're right. But I love I love doing both shows. I could give up one of the two shows. I went for many number of years without two full shows. Well, not many, but what was it, 2016 when my last stint on national radio ended? I can do both shows. Yeah, till you die. Hey, I can do both shows. I just need to dial in my life so that I'm not is you know not burning on fumes. But the thing is, when I was up there. I couldn't just do the morning show, go back to the hotel and take a big, meaty nap. Two, three-hour nap would have been fantastic. I was out on sales calls, and I was happy to do so because there's a lot of advertisers interested in advertising with the game and uh, a lot of clients that many of them know me and are pretty much going to advertise anyway, but it's nice to make that sales call and meet them. And then there's some prospects where they don't really know me and they they want to get a feel for what's going on. So I since I'm not up there, but once a month for about a week or so, and that's kind of my schedule, I make myself totally available to anyone in the sales department to go out on calls. Well, they loaded the boat. I mean, it was like three a day, bing, bang, boom. 
10, 11, 1, and by the time I was done with that, I'd get back to the station and the studio and have to get ready for the afternoon show. It was a long week, and then I did shit at night, and then, you know, the, uh, by the end of the week when I was really, really tired, I did something stupid, which was go to see Carrie Underwood with Josh, and we had a good time, but, you know, at the end of the week, I was taking 20-minute naps on the couch in the bullpen at the station just before I went on the air at 3 o'clock because I said, you know what? I'll take it. I'll not want to wake up after 20 minutes, but I'll take it. I was taking car naps again. Somebody, whoever it was that gave me this nickname, please raise your hand and let me know. Somebody joked to me, yeah, you're like car nap the magnificent. (laughs) And those are not good either. I can sleep with my seat reclined. And if I do get 20 or 30 minutes, it does help me out a lot, but it's not good. So at the end of the week, it went, one last whammy was my flight out of town at 7.30 local time was delayed until 10.30. Oh, dagger. So after another car nap of about an hour and then killing some time putting and chipping over at New Berlin Hills Golf Course, I then proceeded down to the airport. Flying Southwest, I know people who fly a lot. And I'm sure they're going to say, you're fucking crazy for saying this, but I'll say it anyways. I love Southwest. I love Southwest. Are they perfect? Of course not. But you know what? They have employees that treat you like you would want to be treated. They have employees with personality and with a sense of, hey, you know what? I would feel the same way. For example... I don't know why the flight was delayed three hours. I think it's because, I mean, the weather was fine in Milwaukee. It was fine in D.C. It was probably somewhere along the supply chain of airplanes. And wherever my plane was coming from, they had weather issues. Shit, it happens. I'm just glad that they got out late at night. I didn't, I mean, I, I cared. I wished it was would have been on time, but I was just glad we got out of town. Southwest gave me, without even asking or without even bitching, a $100 travel voucher for the inconvenience. I'm like, son of a bitch. I don't think Delta, those savages, would have ever done this. I don't think those those wet naps at uh, American would have done anything like this. They probably wouldn't have even cared. The person at the uh, check-in counter apologized for the flight being so late. I said, oh, I'm, no apologies needed unless you're the one that caused it to be late. And she laughed. Then I heard an announcement at the gate. They said, anyone who's on this flight who has not received their voucher yet, please come report to the desk immediately. I'm like, wow, they're begging people to come get their $100 voucher. I'm sure that those jack and apes over at United wouldn't have done such a thing, unless I'm wrong. And then once I was on the airplane itself, which was mercifully only a third full, so everyone had room to spread out and relax, The flight attendant apologized and said, I'm sorry, we're so late tonight. I'm like, Jesus, it just made you feel better as a traveler. Now, does that really matter when the rubber meets the road? If you're a heavy volume traveler, and especially if you're someone who wants to make sure you've got the seat you want. One thing that I'm tough at, I don't do do very well, is I don't check in 24 hours prior. That whole game of, and I know you can pay for certain upgrades, you can just say, well, check me in early, blah, blah, blah. You know my strategy, though, in Southwest anyways, to lurk back in the late Bs so I can choose you. So that either the flight won't even be full, in this case it wasn't, and you sit wherever you're comfortable, or if a flight is going to have pretty much every seat but a few seats full, pick the people you want to sit next to. A nice, clean, trim businessman in a suit who's not going to cause trouble. Uh, a a 90-year-old grandmother sitting there macrameing or or knitting a sock. You want to sit next to her. You don't want to get your seat like I'm A10 and you go sit down. I got my preferred aisle seat or my preferred window seat and then some monster, some burrito-eating lumberjack plops down right next to you, starts his man-spreading. That's my strategy, at least. I'm sticking to it. So... This weekend I got home and I got home at 2 a.m. and I had to wake up and my daughter was going off to this thing called governor's school in Virginia and uh, she was leaving with mom at 8 a.m. And I thought, oh, well, six hours in my own bed, that'll be great. (laughs) 
When I woke up at 8 a.m. to say goodbye to her after six hours in my own bed after getting home at 2 a.m., felt like I hadn't slept at all. I felt worse waking up than I did when I went to bed. Oif. I took a huge nap on Saturday afternoon, went to bed at 10 o'clock Saturday night, woke up at 6.37. That should be eight-plus hours. Did the golf show with the boys on 980, took a nap on the couch, hour and a half, had a hard time waking up, finally did, went and did some things, blah, 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 took another nap watching golf in the air-conditioned basement for about two hours almost. I'm tired right now. It's probably cumulative sleep deficit, if you believe in that. I still have a hard time believing in it, like, so your body really adds up all the sleep and until you finally get back to even? Is that how? Maybe it is. Anyway, your thoughts and comments are certainly appreciated. Enough sleep talk. Let's talk some baseball, everybody. The legendary... Mr. X. Hello, Zane. <laughs> what's what, with the day? what's with the dramatic non-response? I don't, I'm just waiting to be guided. I'm here for you, man. <laughs> you don't pick up the phone and say, uh, hello. You knew it was me, though, and you knew I was calling, right? You're waiting yes. for the big introduction, weren't you? Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. boys and girls, put it, put your hands together for the man known as Mr. X. There you go. There's the proper intro. How I you... feel so much better now. I, I feel know. good now. How you better? I, I feel like I've missed a week with you, haven't I? Oh, we've missed two weeks, but who's counting? You are counting, because you are <laughs> very sensitive about your two. minutes. Come on, I can get to do. <laughs> I know. Gets over that, I run out of trouble. But you, you also were in Maine, opening I up was. your parents' cottage for the summer, and That's you right. were the last, the last time we spoke. I was on the New Jersey Turnpike. That was a challenge. That's right. Hey, did you actually pull over for me? Uh, the first half I was rolling, I felt a little. Uh, I did see rest stops, so I did pull over for the last half of the talk. Okay, and how was how was Maine? Uh, it was good. I mean, if they, you know, doing work's never good, but we got it done and got a couple casino days in. And, I was going to uh, say, how was the tiny casino that sometimes only opens craps tables halfway? It was tinier than ever. Shut up. <laughs> oh, it was, it was good. I was, I was the only guy there most of the time. It was, Re- it was fun. One man casino? Yeah. Every now and then somebody would come and go, but I was kind of, I was like, I mean, I would say to them, when I leave, you guys are going home, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, probably. Did they have a dice table up and running with only you? I was there. I was. I was. The, I think. I think for I played two different days, and ninety percent of the time, I might have been the only guy throwing. Wow, dice. Yeah. Di- you know, playing dice by yourself is pointless. It can be well, done. Yeah, but it's hard to find a table that way. That's not the point of oh, craps. Yeah. The point of craps is to be there in a big communal effort to stand around and to cheer on guys who are hot rolling the dice. Well, yeah, that's true. But see, I do it both ways. There's no question that, as you said, you know, you go to Vegas and get a big old hot table and a lot of hooting and hollering, and that's a lot of fun. But a math guy like me, I, I don't mind playing by myself on the table. I'm okay, okay. at it. And I'll tell you, man, I had a, had the first time. At one point, I looked at the pit boss guy, and I said, you know, this might because this, this young guy came up. I think he'd had a few. He didn't know what he was doing. He actually threw a chip in the middle. And they said, what's that for? And he said, hard five. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not kidding. That's a pit. That's then, a dealer joke. You know, the odd number know, hard ways. This wasn't even a joke. The guy left. And I, and I said to the pit boss, I said, I'm not a young man. I've never seen anybody ask for a hard five. <laughs> he he meant this. I, he, I'm sure he meant hard 10, which is two I fives. don't think he really. That's what they ended up talking him into. But okay. Yeah. So, but anyways, it was good. I'm home now, and all's good. All right, so uh, we're going to talk baseball over the protestations of a small but vocal segment of our ZabeCast listenership who will email me and say, too much baseball. We're going to talk baseball for a couple of reasons. One, it is your wheelhouse. 
And yes. two, it's all we got now for it's a couple of, of months. Year. It's that time of year. And I wanted to get into a discussion with you about the nature of baseball and watching it. And I just I don't know how you're going to go on this, but I'm going to throw this out at you and then we'll see where the discussion goes. And we're going to talk about the utter disaster for the Nats that was the Trevor Rosenthal era. And and one of the most clueless quotes I've ever read from an athlete in Rosenthal literally hours before his ass was sent packing. But that's for a little bit down the road. Okay. okay. Baseball. So I sit down on Saturday night and think, what am I watching? And I said, you know, the Nats are on Fox, Network Fox, although it was not Joe Buck. It was like their B team announcing on TV. I don't know who it is. Were you watching on TV on Saturday night? Was not. Okay. I was helping my son move to a new apartment. So Good for busy. you. God, you must be sore, by the way. All this moving and unpacking. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm more in the supervisory mode. Oh, <laughs> okay, good. Good, good, good. So I'm watching okay. the game on TV. And I'll admit, Mr. X, I don't watch a lot of baseball on TV. In yeah. fact, I don't watch a lot of regular season baseball. I watch the postseason. I, I gobble that up, but I don't watch regular sure. season baseball. I don't go to baseball games hardly at all either. Does that make me not a real baseball fan? Uh, you be the judge. But I do love postseason baseball. I think it's in, intoxicating. So I'm watching sure. the game, and I am quickly getting bored as fuck. And to make it worse, the announcers on Saturday night decided they were going to do a dugout interview with Dallas Keuchel, the new member of the Atlanta Braves, one day after he made his debut. Okay. And the Dallas Keuchel interview went on for almost the entire inning. And it was so fucking boring hearing Dallas Keuchel give a bunch of baseball player jock speak answers about everything. That I was screaming at the TV, would you just call the fucking game already? It annoyed me to no end. It was like a boring sandwich with an extra slice of boring in Dallas Keuchel in an interview put in between the two pieces of boring bread. That's called network broadcast. <laughs> okay. Now, There's a big difference between you know them trying to do a network game of the week and, and cater to that market versus your good home crew announcers. So that doesn't surprise me that they don't know what else to do but try to fill that slot. Okay. Well, you know, the thing was the Nats had something brewing. In fact, they ended up – Rendon hit a bloop to left, got on base. It ended up with a Juan Soto triple. A triple, by the way, that cleared the bases and gave the Nats their big early lead that Rosenthal would later light on fire in the span of about 13 pitches. But we'll get to that in a second. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, fuck nuts. A guy just hit a triple to you know, stake the home team to a big lead. You guys barely called it. You only cut short Keuchel because of the action. You suck. Yeah. You're the worst. I felt like I was Phil Mushnick in the New York Post who always rails on this kind of stuff because he's such a baseball purist. Yeah. Anyway, so it dawned on me as I'm watching baseball, you know, pitch in there, it's a ball. Do it again. Pitch in there, called strike, no swing. Okay, one and one. Do it again. Pitch in there, fouled away, and it's two and one. Pitch in, you know, you'll have at bats that go on for sometimes upwards of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve pitches, right? Sure. And it dawned on me that baseball, Mister X, has the most action that does not count. Oh, for sure. Of any sport, and it has action that doesn't count that is paced the slowest in between those actions that don't count of any sport. Possibly. I'll ask you this. Uh, I don't get it anymore, but a few years ago, I'd get those um, football games, shortcuts that took about 24 minutes to watch every play of the game. Yes. And those were fabulous. You watch, I don't need all the, so the three and a half hour football game is 24 minutes of actual plays in live it might be so more it might be more than fun. it might be more than 24 i'm not sure you're right instantly okay. instantly i can yeah. hear the baseball people caping up right now typing out their angry emails to me saying oh yeah well football they stand around for 40 seconds yeah. in between plays 
I grant you that. And some will say, yeah, but the three-yard dive on third and 15 because the coach is too much of a coward to try to throw it on that down, that's the same thing as a foul ball. It's essentially a play that doesn't count. And I say, well, it could turn into a huge play. The guy could fumble, could get returned for a touchdown. The counter to that is, yeah, but every pitch that's a foul ball or a ball or a swinging strike or a non-swinging strike could be a home run. And I say, okay, fair point. But it just is that in baseball, each at-bat is the unit of action. And buried in the subunit of the action is a lot of shit that doesn't count. No doubt. I think if you actually like what I was questioning was if you actually if anybody ever made the same kind of thing for a baseball game where only the ball in play was on the broadcast, some kind of short take thing like they do in football. Oh, right. A condensed game. It's comparable. The difference is you're showing the balls in play and it's probably less time for. But if you're showing every pitch, it's longer than that. Twenty four, twenty five minute football game. Problem is what it is, is every pitcher like. Is something going to happen here? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Is something going to happen here? No. no. <laughs> and then you got things like the throw to first to keep the runner uh, yeah. from taking too yeah. big of a lead that has a success rate of 0.0192%, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Right. But it's like a necessary thing. It's almost like baseball hygiene. You got to do it every now and then. And I think, oh, there's another play that doesn't count. But then I started thinking yep. about, okay, hockey. Countless times in a hockey game, a guy skates up ice, tries to deke a dude, tries to get into the zone, has it poke checked away, team goes the other way. Isn't that the equivalent of a foul ball? Yeah, you just talk you so fast, you never know what's coming. It's more a case of, hey, skate to the center line, dump, line change. Okay, big deal. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. So I was just I was just sitting there trying to alleviate my boredom, my double boredom of a, a baseball game in June for a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs, and a Dallas Keuchel interview that went on way too fucking that's long. Brutal. And I was yeah. just I was just thinking about it. That said, I thought about postseason baseball, and I think the reason that I, it's much more palatable to me is that yes, there are plenty of foul balls, wasted pitches, time spent doing whatever. But the stakes are very high. These are short series, potentially short series. Are they all? They're all. Are they all seven now, or is the first round still five? No, they're sevens now. They are sevens. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's you know it's still it's a it's high leverage as they like Hell, as the wrong. kids like to say I, in I'm baseball. To, I'm totally wrong. First round's three out of five. So the first round still is three. Yeah. Yep. They I'm changed sorry. the three NBA. The NBA is now yeah. all seven, and that right. was yeah okay. So you're talking about a potentially short series. Every pitch and every at-bat matters. And so if you're rooting for your team, i.e. our Nats or your Red Sox or maybe the Brewers, then you are hunkered down and you're living and dying by each pitch. Sure. Let me put it this way, Zabe. I I think of it – I think of baseball as this. You're a music guy. You like music, right? Uh, No. I mean, I'm not huge, but I do. More than me. I don't – but there are certain songs, or better yet, artists, where you're like, oh, let me listen to this song, and it gets your attention. But then there's albums or music that you'll playlist that you'll put on in the background. It's not thrilling, but you'll put it on in the background. That, to me, is baseball okay. during the season. So, I turn on that TV, but I don't sit down for three hours and watch a damn baseball game. No. Well, maybe but that's what I was... on. Maybe that's what I was... For one reason. Right, maybe that's so what I was... Is, yeah. It's on so that Mrs. X can walk in going, can I change this? And I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> not watching it, but I'm watching it. You know? No, no, I, I hear you on that. And I will often, I mean, I've got the Cardinals game on, it's on muted, muted now, but I have it here in my office as I was doing some prep work. And I don't give a shit about the Cardinals and whoever they're, oh, the Angels. Yeah, because Pujols came back, which we'll talk about in a second. Ah, yeah. So in other words, maybe I was doing it wrong. Maybe by sitting in front of my TV with nothing else going on, not even my phone in my hand, as I was watching a June baseball game, that that probably you have to be really, really into baseball to be really, really into that. I think you're right. I think there's a this is petty, but there's that big difference between local broadcasts and that. Okay. Broadcast. Yeah, you're right. There's great local broadcasters that know how to have 
wit and satire and things that make you kind of chuckle. Well, they'd be giving me talking forever. Right. But if you try to do a national broadcast and and cater to the national market, both teams get Dallas Keuchel bullshit like you're talking about. Well, and you know, and and there used to be something called Monday Night Baseball, as you and I remember, following the runaway pop culture phenomenon success of Monday Night Football. Which debuted in what seventy two two no seventy seventy nineteen seventy right seventy at yep. some point in the late seventies, ABC said, "Why don't we do this for baseball?" It was not yep. as well received or long lived, and maybe there's there's that to it. See, what one thing that I realize, and you talk about this local versus national, for me, consuming nationals baseball is a good nutritional habit for me as a talk show host in DC. I'll pick up on things and learn factoids that I otherwise might not know. So it's like eating a salad. So if I had on Bob Carpenter and F.P. Santangelo on Masson, then I would be able to get more narrative on here's Soto, here's what he's doing lately, here's you know blah, blah, sure. blah, this, that, or the other. Instead, the network's just jammed Dallas Keuchel down my neck for a whole inning. Exactly. And to close that, I think the point is, even if I was, let's say you were traveling, and you don't, it's not your team, but you were watching the Rangers and the Astros. I'd rather watch one of their local broadcasts because they're just better suited sure. to that national broadcast. Fair yes. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know what? A lot of people I know listen to baseball more than they watch it because cool. it is something you can process with your like background brain processing as you're in your garage. Or on yep, your boat or anything background else. Music. Yeah. Even if it's on TV, it's kind of background music for yeah. me. Okay. That said, let's talk about this fucking debacle on Saturday night. So I, I got bored after 5 to 1, turned it off, went, and I think I went to bed early. I was still exhausted. And so uh, it was only when I woke up the next morning to find out, oh, yeah, the Nats blew that lead, 5-1. They blew an 8-4 to four lead. And then for good oh, measure, yes. they blew one more lead, a 9 to eight lead to lose yeah. 13 to 11 or whatever the final yeah. score yeah. was. And the, and the big shit stain on the game was Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor Rosenthal, yeah. Who, who gave up three walks in a row. On 15 pitches. In an eight to four game. So the, the team has been looking for soft spots to reintroduce Rosenthal, who struggled with his command this year, got sent down to the minors for his last send down, has been brought back up, and they're like, okay. Or no, they didn't send him down. They said he was injured with a virus, right? The um, the new IL list, yes. Yeah, so so Rosenthal, we, we, we bought him for seven million. It's a million... virus that makes you not throw a strike. That's what the <laughs> yes. virus is. Uh, we bought him for a, a one-time price of seven million bucks for one year, formerly of the Cardinals. He used to be this great closer, right? Yeah. And then he had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. And so now he's coming back off of this, and he has sucked this year. He sucked the biggest suck that ever sucked to suck. And then after walking three guys in fifteen pitches and nearly hitting Acuna in the head on the last pitch he threw before getting the hook. Here's what he said after the game. Ready? Quote. Did you see this quote? No. (laughs) You'll like to. Don't be drinking milk, Mr. X. It'll come up through your nose. Ready? Okay. Rosenthal, Saturday night. Yeah, looking back at it, after I came out of the inning, it was really a small mechanical tweak that I think will be an easy fix, he said. (laughs) It's just a matter of timing. And it just seemed like I was a little bit early on my timing and trying to make an adjustment and get everything to sync up. Just wasn't able to get there quite quick enough. But I think it'll be something uh, come back tomorrow. I'll be able to figure out fairly easily. You're cut. <laughs> you that are so like, cut. Yeah. With no, no, you're not yeah. coming back tomorrow no. to figure it out. No, it's not going to be fairly easily. You kidding so- me? It sounds like the famous Dan Cuisenberry line when he said, I discovered a delivery in my flaw. <laughs> oh, my God. I never heard that one. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Now, hey, to tell you to tell you this, though, I was I was actually I had flipped on my um, the cast on my phone when they were up eight four and I saw Rosenthal coming in the game. And I was like, oh, well, OK, let's give him a try. And before I got an update, uh, my son from a few hours away texts me and says, 
oh my God, Rosenthal, he was watching on TV. Rosenthal's the worst. He just walked three guys on 15 pitches. And my response was, but the three strikes were really good ones. (laughs) Because the guy throws a hundred. He throws a hundred. He does. Yeah, and and I'll say this. I only saw him pitch in person once this year, early in the year. And this sounds a little bit silly, but when you're sitting, let's say, pretty near home plate, this, the difference between 95 and 100 is just mind-boggling. Well, you know, you sit there, and, you, and 95, 92, 97, it's the same. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, what was that? When a guy comes in throwing 100, it's just, it seems like a hell of a difference. And I saw him come in throwing 100. Of course, he can't miss a bat. And <laughs> it, I was like, man, you know, I understand why you want to give extra time and whatever to a guy that's bringing it like he can bring it. But when you come in that game and you can't, it, I wonder, I don't know this because I didn't want, I wonder if the comments you just read contribute to the, dude, if that's where you see this, it's time for you to go. I wonder if it's more the comments than just the performance. Oh, I I think maybe so. I think the Nats, I think Rizzo might have said, okay, not only can he not fri- find the strike zone, yeah. he can't find reality right now. He can't find reality. Like, you say, hey, I suck tonight, let's give you another try. If you think that's like a tweak here and there, <laughs> it's time to cut that off and be done with it. I know. Yeah. But here's a tough thing, and and this is where I – nobody has any sympathy for a guy who's going to make $7 million and barely pitch this year, right? But yeah. I have sympathy as somebody who – loves sports and understands how hard sports are that here's a guy who's trying his ass off and wants to be in the major leagues. He's not there just to steal $7 million and he is going through hell right now as an athlete because he can't fucking figure out what's wrong. Yeah. That's brutal. I mean, you know, when you throw that hard, you, somebody will give him another chance, but boy, I don't know. That's, it's, it's disappointing to hear comments like you just mentioned, (laughs) but I bet it's because he has a mental coach who's been telling him, no, no, stay positive, find the silver lining. Remember that it's always darkest before the dawn. Don't give up before your miracle arrives. All this happy talk mumbo jumbo. You don't know. I, you think there's a it, you think there's, there's a time in which you should just guys over the years that just lose it. Rick Ankeels of you know come to right. mind where guys can play and all of a sudden they just get the yips and they can't do it. Yeah. But don't start don't start trying to dissect it and make excuses. You know, there's strikes and there's not strikes. Right. Well, and then in the similar case, Jimmy Nelson for the Brewers has spent over a year battling back from a serious arm injury and well-loved in the clubhouse, fan favorite, gets back to the bigs this year, and he does not have it. He can't handle it. So they've already demoted him to the bullpen, and he's got to know that this is my last stop before I might get bounced, and that might be my career. That's incredible pressure, man. I I don't care how much these guys are making. It's mind-boggling to me. Yep, yeah. for sure. And All now right. we have Nets. And then we have the Mets. No, Nets. N-E-T-S. Oh, let's talk about that because okay. you, you go to games at Nats Park and you sit in areas in which there used to not be netting, but there will be netting in the future. Your thoughts? Um, you know, I only uh, an hour ago I was listening to your cast where you were uh, not happy about this decision. I don't have an issue with it. Really? I think it's overdue. I have no issue with it. I think this, you know, the BS about, oh, it clouds my view. You know, it bothers me for 11 seconds, and then you watch the game. And you know what? It's, yes, you can't stop every injury, and you can, as you said, but this, I've seen so many gruesome injuries just myself that if putting up the net, you know, today everybody's sitting on the damn phone texting and they get hit by line drives. Forget about the five-year-olds, the grown-ups. If you put up the net and, and you take away these injuries, I can't be against that. It does not. The only thing it really impedes is guys flipping your baseballs. They can't throw your baseballs anymore because there's a net in the way. But it does not make a damn bit of difference on the view. And it sit right behind that dugout. And you know what? I forget. I remember the day they put the net up. I thought, wow, look at that net in my view. By the second game, I'd forgotten it was there. 
I don't even remember anymore. And by the way, you know, like at least at Nats Park, they put up nets now all the way down the line, almost to the foul poles for batting practice every day. And then they take them down when BP is done. Well, that's BP. So now they guess they're just going to. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I don't sit there in BP and go, hey, man, I can't see. It's fine. Here's the, I don't care. Here's the problem I really have. Baseball's been played for a long, long time. There is nothing that I understand to be fundamentally different to the number of balls that go vectoring out of bounds than in the past. So my question is, why now? This is a sport, before you answer, hold on a second, this is a sport that is now being data-driven more than ever. I don't see any data that says, now this is an increasing problem. I don't see a single chart that says, see how the number of cracked craniums is steadily on the rise. I don't see it. So this is a decision based on an anecdotal incident that is is going to affect the view of a lot of people who are not, in fact, in harm's way. Okay, I'll shut up now. Yeah, no, I, I understand that point. I think the impact is so much more is so much less than what people say. It's like every change. People complain. Every time you change something, they complain, and a day or two later, it's gone. Well, I don't think it has okay. much impact. And by the way, I don't need a lot of cracked craniums. One cracked cranium is, you know, if you've got a solution, use the solution. I'm okay with it. I don't care. Okay. But you're one yeah, guy, though. There are people, well, uh, my friend Scott Shirey from Houston says he's got tickets in that zone for the Astros, and he's told his ticket rep, you put those nets up, you can cancel my tickets right then and there. By the way, Houston has announced no plans, even though they were the stadium in which the little girl got hit. No plans, they say, to put up nets all the way to the foul poles. For the record, I know Scott, and I'm taking you over. He's not canceling it. <laughs> That's right. You met Scott. You met Shirey out at uh, Zay Vegas. You know him. Yeah, he's not canceling yeah, He's, he's such a fanboy. When the, when the Astros won the World Series two years ago, Scott Shirey literally bought $700 worth of championship merchandise. I mean, everything. Hats, sweatshirts, pennants, Christmas ornaments, you name it. Yeah. And so right now, seeing, right now the Astros are in a in a tailspin. So yeah, but they're the best team. I remember sitting years ago. I used to sit behind the net out at Cap Center um, for hockey games. I had season tickets, but right behind the goal, five rows up. You mean after and, they put the nets up? Well, they had the little net, but they don't have what nearly what they had now. They always had a little bit of a net, but it was not much. Uh... And people got drilled, but all the time. And by the way, hit a black puck 100 miles an hour into a darkly a dark arena and, and see what you can do right and i can remember being with people that got drilled and, yeah. and when they put those nets up oh my god everybody complained i can't see it's dark you can't even tell the nets up it's fine you, you know you, yeah but they progress they, is progress okay but that that is you're talking about a much more catastrophic event like you said a vulcanized sure. frozen heavy rubber biscuit going way faster than foul balls Yes. And you can't and see way, it, can't track it. Yeah, and the foul ball thing. You know what? I, I, we had this discussion this week because when forget the wicked line drives and the net protecting. All the times that you miss foul balls and everyone gives you grief about can't catch it, it's because there's 11 hands in my face and I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, there is that. I had, a ball, I had a ball hit the other night. Um, my kids and I were there on my birthday, and I'm sitting in my seat, in the behind home plate in the club and the ball went up and I reached with one hand and it went eh, foot over my hand. And my son says, dad, all you got to do is stand up and that's your ball. <laughs> right. And you I would, at him wait, and, a foul ball went over your head while you were seated and you didn't stand up. Oh no. I was sitting in the club <laughs> in one hand. I reached up with the other hand. It was spinning. And I thought I might reach this. I might. And then went about a foot over my head. One hop to a guy behind me. He goes, you're so lazy. Stand up. And that's your ball. And what I said to him was number one, if I wanted the ball, I just stood up. <laughs> and number two, because, because they have them in the, and I always say they have them in the gift shop. And right. number two, 
I said, you don't make Sports Center by standing up and catching the ball. You make Sports Center by leaning nonchalantly and catching it in one hand. That's all I care about. If it's farther away from me than that, I don't care. Remember the uh, remember the chick in Chicago who caught the foul ball in her beer cup yeah. and was yes. an instant viral meme and then chugged the rest of her beer afterwards? Yeah. There's yeah. dudes who have caught balls while holding a baby, which oh, I think yeah. is one of the all-time boss moves. I would want to catch a home run ball, no question. Foul ball, who the fuck cares? That's a that's a warm up puck at a hockey game. You're like, oh great, you got a warm up puck, big deal. I'm not standing up for it. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the right. best one ever was the guy at spring training who had the little boy in the wagon in left center, and when he let go of the wagon to catch the ball, and the wagon went down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> that's right it's like focus man you're there taking care of a kid so that's when you just hope the wife does not watch sports center all right so you uh you mentioned nets and i thought you said mets because there's two news items on the mets this week uh one was back earlier in the week they fired their pitching coach and hired an 82 year old dude to replace him 82 yeah well I say this all the time. Whenever you see a bullpen coach, a pitching coach, a bench coach, you see somebody get fired. The first thing people write about is, oh, as if it's like his fault that you're losing. And what I always say is, say, every job in the world, you have a boss that you really shouldn't piss off. Right. And if you do, you get fired. Not because the company's losing money because of you, but because you work here and I'm annoyed with you. So when I see these guys fire bench coaches and pitching coaches, I don't know that that's the case here, but it's like, yeah, okay. You know, you don't see eye to eye with the boss. It's time for you to go. Right. That's life. But there are certain jobs in sports that are like sacrificial jobs or or where they say, you know, we're going to have to fire somebody because the effect of firing a pitching coach who the staff might've liked is to shake people up to go, Hey, listen up, fuck nuts. This is a real, real job here, and that buddy you had, who was your coach, he's gone. So straighten up and That's fly true. right. I just think that sometimes it's a matter of you know, there's every every company in the world has personality differences, and sometimes the changes are just not as big a deal as they sound. Yeah, uh, Phil Regan is the name of the guy who's 82, and he played with Roger Maris. Oh yeah, Regan. They hired him. I'm yep. sorry. I assumed he was dead. 82-year-old former <laughs> Orioles manager, yeah. Phil Regan. Yeah. Good for him. You know, 82. <laughs> was it a long-term contract? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the Mets made news this weekend because manager Mickey Calloway and one of their players got into it with a beat reporter. Uh, Calloway said, get that cocksucker out of here and said, don't be a smartass and, to this reporter. And then the player... I forget who it was. I'll look it up right now. Threatened to beat him up. And I said, what's old is new again. Welcome to Bobby Bonilla and Bob Klappich of the Bergen record. It's just all over again with the same franchise. Yeah. I um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, obviously, they, you know, he's, he's in a little trouble for that. And he can't go there. But I, I think there's nothing digressing slightly. There's nothing in sports more overrated than managers handling press conferences well. I don't care. Really? You know, they, they used to always say that Joe Torrey was the perfect manager for New York because of how he handled the media. And I always said, that's great. Doesn't translate to a single win. Not a one. Yeah. And, and media like it when you're a guy that can handle the press conferences well. But you know what? I don't care if you're... If you're handling it well or you're not handling it well, just, you know, I'm sorry, Albert, just win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, the win. Mets, it was Mets starter Jason Vargas who said uh, he would knock the guy out. Uh, Vargas, I'm looking at his picture. What a weird looking dude he is. He looks semi homeless, that guy. Okay. Anything else on baseball before we put it to bed? This is going to be the least liked podcast we've had in a long time for people that hate baseball, but I've enjoyed the discussion, Mr. X. I have enjoyed it. So fuck all the haters. I got a, I got a real, the last one I got from one of my tweets last week. I got a lot of grief. We went to that doubleheader game against Philly. I don't know 
I know there's a difference between paid attendance and fannies in the seats, but it's getting silly. We actually counted roughly the attendance at that afternoon game Wednesday. Yeah. And I came up with 2,800. What? Yeah, 2,800. Wasn't it a nice afternoon? It was a beautiful afternoon. Of course, it, it was supposed to rain, but it didn't. Right. And there was 20, around 2,800 fannies in the seat. And, of course, people were responding all over Twitter like, how long did that take you? And then my response was five outs. Okay. <laughs> right. It only took five. And and yet, you know what the announced attendance was for that day? 18 what? grand. 18,000. Why do they do that? I don't know. It's almost like, like who they, are they don't want people to know. I don't know. I don't know. Why, why wouldn't they announce turnstile? That'd be an accurate piece of information. Yeah. And then I you know. could at least I, know. I mean, I don't know. Here's the larger question. Is there any shame in a hastily scheduled day-night doubleheader from a rainout the night before only drawing 2,800 fans yeah. in a market the size of Washington, D.C. or market number five yeah. or eight yeah. or something like that? No, I hear you. I think that's still pretty low. I mean, you. I mean, if you, you know, that's that's pretty. That's that's the lowest I've ever been a part of. Right. And that was Monday rainout on a Wednesday game. But still, I guess every game I've been to this year, I've looked around and said, because I I know how many people are there. I, I know that part. I swear they're exaggerating like hell every day. I don't know. Oh why. yeah, no question. I don't know why. No yeah. question. And putting up nets, Mister X. <laughs> ain't gonna help it's just gonna, gonna it's you say it ain't gonna hurt you're wrong it scrubs okay. a little bit of speed it's like nascar you don't want to scrub speed off of the of the car in any way shape or form it just slows things down just a bit now did i see the tweet of you was that your son wearing the bryce harper jersey that had traitor taped over the name maybe <laughs> maybe and he was the one jumping up to pump his fist at bryce harper's third strikeout of the night that was, that maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Harper, but not everyone in the family is uh, on board. With you that, wanted so. to re-sign him, and right now, he's not doing much. I mean, since that early season series against the Nats, he has been a minus player for his historical averages. Yeah, well, he's twenty-five. I, I, he's still a generational player, and I, I, just to clarify, I don't care if they sign him or didn't sign him. You know, if you can afford him, great. If you don't think he fits in your budget, let him go. The BS they did of trying to pretend they made an offer on the last day of the season, that's just that's the part that rubs me wrong. I, I can't blame him at all for that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk one non-baseball thing before we okay. let you out of here today. What do you have non-baseball? Um, non-baseball. Draft. We got an NBA draft. You want to talk? Nah. You really want to talk about that? Nah, three UVA guys going was kind of nice. How do you feel um, about DeAndre Hunter as a pro? You know, he's going to be actually. He, I thought all along he would go forward to the Lakers before they made that trade, and I thought he would be absolutely what LeBron needed. He's the he's one of those guys that can be really really good on the right team, or can disappear on the wrong team, and that may very well be Atlanta if that's right. where he is. Um, but you know, he can shoot the corner three and he can defend anyone. He's that new breed of player that he can defend every player on the floor. Whether you're six ten or six three, he yeah. can defend them all. And that's kind of the direction the game's going these days. No more positions, just three players. and D. It's all yeah. about three and D. You gotta be able to shoot yeah. and you gotta be able to defend. Because yeah. the best players in college who can't defend at the NBA level, they can't afford to put you out there. It's like putting Trevor Rosendahl right. out there to pitch for you. Can't do it, won't do it. And there's a difference between that corner three and the top three because it's a lot closer. And he can hit that corner three. So, but I, you know what? But going to a team like, isn't it Atlanta that's okay? Yes, yeah, it's he, Atlanta. He could, dis- he could disappear there. All right. Mr. X, good to talk to you. You're back on the okay. rotation. And uh, we okay. got to work on the Zabe Washington get together because you are we really do. pushing hard for it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm into the idea. But I want to make sure it's great, not just good or okay. I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm, I'm good with great. <laughs> okay. We'll work on that. This is a this week project now that I'm back home, all right? That sounds good. All right. Thank you, Mr. X. Okay. Take care. There you go. 
Yeah, I applaud Mr. X for saying, you know, listen, let's let's do an event here in D.C. and not make people fly out to, to, to Vegas to see you and hang out with you. And I said, okay, that's great. Of course, I'm kind of cannibalizing Zay Vegas. Not really, but still. And he had the idea of doing a rotating series. This summer, it's going to be Zabe Washington. And next summer, it's going to be Zabe Walkie. And so... The blending of these two families of mine now, the D.C. sports family, who I've had for many years, and same thing with the Milwaukee family that I've had for many years, and now I've brought over to a new venture and a new station, that like the Brady Bunch, we get these two families together. And so Mr. X was saying, why don't we get a, 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 a little event centered around when the Brewers come to town in August, and he was talking about renting out a suite. Have I talked about all this on the Zabecast yet, or is this new? Uh, just let me know. Anyway, the problem is uh, those suites are super expensive, and I think they'd be too expensive for your average fan. I think we talked about this with Mr. X last time, but there's other ways to do it. There's other ways to skin the cat, and we're, uh, we're exploring that, and it would be kind of fun and kind of cool if that we did an event this year here, that next summer we'd do one in... Milwaukee. So maybe a number of Zabe fans from DC who have never been to Milwaukee are like, yeah, fuck, let's go. This would be great. Bringing the two families together, sort of like the Brady Bunch. We'll end on this today. Talk about a dagger. Headline, Michigan man who won $80 million lottery jackpot during divorce ordered to pay his wife half. That's right, because his ex-wife was not yet his ex-wife. Richard, a.k.a. Dick Zalasco, was thrilled to learn that he won the $80 million jackpot back in 2013. However, that is until an arbitrator recently told him that only half of his winnings would be going to him and the other half would soon go to ex-wife Mary Beth whom he was involved in a divorce settlement with. The, though Dick and Mary Beth married in 2004, they shared three children. They were separated for two years at the time he won the Mega Millions. Separated for two years. The Michigan Appeals Court ruled that the Pontiac native, though, must pay his ex-wife half, Eddie, half, because the divorce was not yet final. The arbitrator was granted the ability to make some decisions in the case by the couple, determined that Dick's lottery winnings were part of the marital estate and likely not his first purchased lottery ticket. How about them apples? There's one more reason to not let that divorce linger. If you've been separated for a couple of years or a couple of months or however long it is, if you're going to do it, do it. What's the saying? What must be done eventually should be done immediately. This guy learned a very expensive lesson, a 40 million dollar lesson at that all right good to be home again thank you for being a loyal zabecast listener downloader binge listener idea generator feedback provider send it to me at zabe at yahoo.com i will take it all and take it all into consideration have yourself a great monday here in the middle of late june and the glorious summer in which things are slowing down to a crawl and we will see you next time and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back cause it's summertime.